The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. For the last few weeks, we've been studying this chapter in Colossians, a chapter that's loaded with imperatives, that is instructions about how believers should think, how we should speak, and how we should behave. And though Paul is writing specifically here to first century believers in Colossae, remember that his words are written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They are God-breathed and consequently they apply to us today. They apply to all believers. Amen? And so before I move on to chapter 4, I actually want to unpack one more important part of this text that I haven't gotten to spend enough time on. In our small group, um, the one that I'm a part of, we've been going through this, these discussion questions that relate to each week's sermon. And a few weeks ago in my group, someone posed a question that is of the utmost importance. She asked, what makes our good deeds as believers, what makes our good deeds and our virtues distinct from the good works and virtues of non-Christians? Let that sink in a moment. That's a great question. So I want to start by reading two key verses from chapter 3. You don't have to stand. We've, we've read and I've preached this entire chapter verse by verse. But I want to read verse 11 and verse 17. Verse 11, Paul writes, Here there's no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. And I want you to kind of underline this in, in your Bible or highlight it on your tablet, whatever you have. Christ is all and He is in all. That simply means it is all about Jesus. Amen? Verse 17. Whatever you do, this is a summary of what Paul's saying. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So the verses that we just read remind us of what sets our good works apart from the virtues and the good works of those who are in the world, those non-believers. Very simply, it has to do with motive. So with some exceptions, most people, would you say, want to be good people. Is that true? And most people in the world want to be decent human beings. They want to do good deeds. They want to leave their mark on the world. They want to add values to the, value to the life of others. Think about it. We all know people who are not Christians, and yet they are compassionate. They are kind. They are doting fathers, nurturing mothers, loving spouses, hardworking employees, upright citizens, People who give to the poor and serve others relentlessly. So the question that I want to try to answer today is what then makes our quote-unquote goodness different than theirs? What is the Apostle Paul, what is the Holy Spirit calling us to? Well, I want to point out two distinctions between believers and non-believers. Pursuit of goodness. And the first distinction is this. It has to do with motive, and it is the motive of God's glory, 
versus self-glory. You can write that in your notes. God's glory versus self-glory. And again, reading verse 17, whatever you do, Christian, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So after telling believers to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, love, forgiveness, Paul says, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, this idea pushes us back to Jesus' words in his famous Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, which says, Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's essentially what Paul is saying. The point, church, of our goodness should be to bring glory to the Father. Our desire should be that others see Christ, not us, in our good works, in our Christian virtues. And this, I think, obviously is not the agenda of the world. Is that fair to say that they're not after the glory of Christ? I would go so far as to say this. Don't miss this. This is I think this is an important and very important truth. It's radical, but it's biblical. Any works done apart from Jesus Christ are not actually good works at all. And you go, whoa, what? Here's why I say that. To truly be a good person, you and I would have to do the right thing. And get this, we would have to do it for the right reason. And do you know that the human heart is actually incapable of that? And that claim might really offend you, but if those apart from Christ look deep into their hearts, they will find that to be the case. A few weeks ago, I listened to a kind of philosophical podcast that's hosted by Rain, co-hosted by Rain Wilson, who plays Dwight in The Office. I got some of your attention now. I see you kind of perk up. On this particular episode entitled, Are You a Good Person?, Rain and his co-host discussed what makes someone good. And right from the beginning, he, he said, Rain says this, he says, I actually don't know what makes a person good. He said, we are all, he's not a believer, okay? And he says, we are all so flawed. He, sa- he asked the question, he says, can I... Can we even be good people? He said, I don't know. And he goes on to explain that every time he is good, he kind of pats himself on the back and he thinks to himself, I wonder if people are witnessing how good I actually am right now. And he said, I think that disqualifies my good deed from actually being good. He says, I don't know that I've ever done a selfless act without thought of recognition, reward, or praise. I really don't know if I have. Now that is profound. It turns out that Dwight knows more than information about bears, beats, and um, Battlestar Galactica, right? He actually knows a bit about the human heart, and he is far from the Lord. 
And I think that if we, if we look into the depths of the human heart, that we can all point out what Rain declared. For human beings, even our best deeds are done with some kind of self-glory in mind, which actually makes them, if you want to say bad deeds, or at least selfish deeds. Is that fair? Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 5, I mean, he, he makes this very clear. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. Now listen to what Jesus says. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now that doesn't mean that unbelievers cannot do anything at all. But here's what, it, what Jesus is saying. They cannot do truly by God's standards, okay? They cannot truly do good works that bear true fruit and that have eternal value because they aren't done for the glory of God. So we must, before we judge the world for being this way, we must first look at our own hearts, right? And we've got to be careful that we don't move back into this idea of wanting recognition or reward for our own goodness. So we don't want the pat on the back. Paul said, I'm not after the applause of men. It's clear he's after the applause of God. And that ought to be our hearts. But how often, if we're honest, in church life, do we want recognition and reward for our own goodness? It's difficult to not want that, to not fall back into those old ways of the sinful nature. So we've got to guard from it. You know, yesterday... So proud of the students, but it's this balance of, you know, how do, we, how do we give them a medal for songwriting or for singing or for rapping or for human video and yet say, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. Like we want to encourage them in their gifts. It's, it's tough that you see this tension that we, we all face. But there's this, you know, you could see it in the students' eyes Yesterday, as much as they want to do it from the Lord, there's this tendency to, yes, want the applause of men and women, to be fair. All right? So, that is the first distinction. It's self-glory versus God-glory. That should set our good works apart from the lives of unbelievers. The second distinction between good works, our good works and the world's, is gratitude versus earning. Gratitude versus earning. Here's what I mean. If we go back to Colossians 2, verse 9, Paul writes, For in him, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And then he writes in verse 10, And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Paul's main reason for writing this epistle is to remind these believers of the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He's saying, in Jesus, they and we have everything that we need. We have it in Christ. In Him, the fullness of deity dwells, he says, and then you've been filled in Him. So you are complete in Jesus. That is great news. So there were these 
people in Colossae, these religious people who were telling the believers who were new in, uh, to, to God's salvation in Christ, and they were kind of celebrating this and thinking that Christ was enough, they're telling them, actually, Christ is not enough. You need some other form of spirituality in, in addition to Jesus. And, and they would say, you know, Christ is, is not enough. You need a higher knowledge, a higher wisdom. And, and, and Paul says, no, he refutes that boldly. And he says, listen, you are complete in Jesus Christ. And then in verse 12 of chapter 3, he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, love, so on. Here's the idea. We are called to put on Christian virtues and good works, not so that we can somehow become a part of God's kingdom, but because we are already a part of God's kingdom, we are His chosen ones already, we're to walk in these good works. You see the difference? So the motive for good works is thanksgiving, and it is a love for God. It boils down to gratitude rather than trying to earn our place. And we've got to be careful because so many church folks fall back into this old way of thinking, of trying to earn their place with God. There's a popular television show right now. Actually, I think it just went off the air. It's called The Good Place. Who's seen The Good Place? A few of you. So, the, the, the lead character played by Kristen Bell arrives in the afterlife in the, in the opening show, which is some version of what we might call heaven. And she discovers that this quote-unquote paradise is only for good people. Furthermore, she realizes that she's there by mistake right? She, she realizes, it, it dawns on her, I'm actually a really, I was a bad person on the earth. I'm here by mistake. So she tries to learn to be good, so she's not found out, all right? What's so intriguing about the show is this. It's the idea of how one gets to the good place because it expresses the belief of every other religion outside of Christianity. In the show, a person's good deeds are tallied against their bad deeds, right? And to gain access to the good place, one's good deeds must outweigh the bad. And what's more is that on the show, get this, only about 5% of humanity make it to the good place. Which again, just validates what I've been saying, what same thing Rain Wilson says. Uh, I mean, the, the show's a comedy, but it's, it's expressing this reality that we all know that there aren't really that many truly good people. Actually, the Bible would say there are none. Romans 3, 10 through 12 says, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside, together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So according to this non-Christian worldview that's expressed on the good place, only 5% of people are good enough to make it in to this place called paradise, whatever you want to call it. So every other religion says, if you want to go to the good place, their version of heaven or transcendence, if you will, the burden is all on you. And friends, that's scary. 
Is it not? And how can you ever know? It's like Rain saying, if, if, if you know, you're doing these good deeds, you think, well, I'm a pretty good person. I actually don't even know if these good deeds are actually good deeds. So I've just got to take my chances and I won't know until I die if I've actually been good enough. And that is a precarious way to live. Every other religion says you do the, follow these rules, do these, you know, religious acts. And then if you're pious enough, if you're good enough, if you've been charitable enough, then you might make it to the good place. But Christianity actually teaches that God is holy and we are not. That God is good and we are not. So we can never get to God by our own goodness. And that's the reality I think that even unbelievers really know deep in their hearts. Can't do it. That's why God did something outrageous. He did something outrageous. He came to us. And by grace, through faith in Christ, we get to be reconciled to Him. And by that reality only do we get access to, quote-unquote, the good place. Which is the new creation, the new heavens, the new earth. And we get to the good Father only through Christ. This makes our motive, here's the point. It makes our motive quite different than that of non-Christians. Our good works should flow from the depths of our salvation, not a means of gaining it. Our works and our virtue should flow from hearts that are bubbling over with gratitude because of the goodness of Jesus Christ. And I just have this suspicion that there are some in here today that you are still trying to clean yourself up so that you will then be accepted by God. And I just want to declare to you that you've got it backwards. Because you can never make yourself holy enough, clean enough to be accepted by our Holy Father because His standard of holiness is perfection. His standard of righteousness is zero sin. That means it excludes all of us apart from Christ. So, don't believe the world's lie that your entrance into the good place or your ability to get close to God depends on your own righteousness. No. It depends on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we ought to celebrate that today, that this burden that the rest of the world is feeling, this burden to be good enough, what a weight to bear. That burden has been lifted from us. That's why Jesus can truly say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How can he say that when we're to, uh, we might have to suffer for the sake of Christ? When we, how can he say that the yoke is easy and his burden is light when we're still in a world of grief and sickness and sorrow? I'll tell you why. Because the greatest burden, the burden of our sin in, in our unrighteousness and in, in, in our need to be reconciled to God, that burden has already been taken care of. It's been lifted. And we can just rest in the finished 
work of Jesus. But here is the problem in the church. I'm, I'm assuming that I'm not talking to mainly unbelievers today. Some of you started out this way. You said, okay, I, come, I came to Christ or to, to God by, by faith in Christ. But now you're still, you've fallen back into this old way of thinking. You're trying to earn your place or to keep your place. So I'm not suggesting that you don't do good works, that you don't pursue goodness. But don't pursue it so that you can have a seat at the table or keep a seat at the table. No. Pursue goodness because you have a seat at the table and you want to wear the right clothing, the right garments. You want to participate in the right works. And realize that there's nothing left in you to be complete. That, that you are complete in Jesus Christ. So you don't need the applause of men. And you don't need good works to earn the favor of God. He sees you through Christ's righteousness. If you're in fact in Christ. And you can rest in that. And it's just like this burden is removed from your shoulders. Just incredible. So we celebrate that today. And I'm going to ask Butch if you would go ahead and come to the keyboard. So non-Christians that might be here today. Maybe you're here but you're not a true believer. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. But you'd like to have one. But you are in this idea of I've got to clean myself up first. Can I just encourage you today to come to Christ and let Him clean you up. That's what he does by the power of his spirit. Christians, let me ask you, let me reflect this morning. Are are we doing good works for recognition? Or are we doing them for the glory of Christ? Do we want to be seen? When you serve in this church, when you're greeting, when you're doing sound, when you're singing on the worship team, when you're working with children or youth, whatever you do, security, ushering, are you wanting that pat on the back? I think it's something we have to wrestle with every single day. I do. I have to, I have to every Sunday before I get up here, in complete transparency, I have to say, Lord, help me not to want the applause of my congregation. I pray this prayer is very simple. Quite often I pray, Lord, hide me behind the cross that you might be seen. And I'm telling you, that's tough to live out in the world that's all about self-glory. It's difficult. But let's make it our aim. So I I wanted to, to spend a Sunday on this because in this pursuit of the right garments, this pursuit of Christian virtues, I want to make sure that we have our motive right so as we seek to put on Christian virtues and behaviors may we do so with the right motive simply for the glory of Christ for Christ is all and he is in all thank you for listening if you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ or if you have questions about our church you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org 
Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.